This is a STEAM Channel program on UCTV. Go full STEAM ahead at uctv.tv slash STEAM, where science, technology, engineering, arts, and math converge. Hello, and welcome to the E3 Online Learning Educator Series. I am Dr. Cheryl Ward, CEO, Chief Engagement Officer at E3 Civic High. And with us is... Hi, Connor Russell, Technology and Data Metrics Manager at E3 Civic High. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about setting up your school to go virtual. So the first thing to think about is what's your goal? Why are you going virtual? To provide access to the world anywhere, anytime, to provide online instruction anywhere, anytime, down to uh, preparing for COVID-19. And so we suggest that your goal should be all of the above. Um, and so as you go virtual, think about all six of these steps. What platform to use? Connor, tell us about these different platforms that you'd wanna consider. So there's a number of different platforms and devices that are popular among schools. Um, Chromebooks, iPads, MacBooks, or even Microsoft Surfaces. Um, each platform has pros and cons. So you wanna think about the cost per device. Uh, do you have in your budget $400 per device or $1,000 per device? Shipping availability, can you get 1,000 units within a month or is that a six month turnaround? Vendor support, um, how much is gonna, the vendor gonna be able to support your, your warranty claims or repairs or um, just, just helping you get set up? And then how familiar is your organization with the platform that you're gonna use? Do you have to retrain your, your staff, your teachers, your students to use a device that you're putting in their hands or are they already, are they familiar with it? Um, and one thing you wanna think about is distributing the same group to students by grade level. For example, secondary students, you may opt to give them MacBooks or services so they have the full uh, computer experience. It's a desktop operating system. And primary students may receive Chromebooks or iPads because they're a little cheaper, they're easier to repair, um, and they're, they're a little bit simpler to use for those levels of students. Okay. Device management. Connor, tell us a little bit about managing that device as well. So once you get your devices, one of the most important things that you need to do is also look at a device management uh, service. So there's options available for every platform, um, for Chromebooks, Chrome device management, management. Um, there's a Microsoft option, there's, a, there's many options for Apple devices, which include MacBooks, um, iMacs, so portable and uh, desktop devices. And device management is really important. It allows the organization to remotely enable disabled users, distribute applications, control settings, track physical location. Um, it's really important to, to distribute devices with a way to remotely manage them. Um, I cannot stress that enough. If you, if you require your students have to bring their devices back on site um, to update them or to push out software, um, as we're seeing right now with, with the COVID-19, our students can't come back on campus. So we update everything remotely. All right, user directory and setting up single sign-on. Connor, I think this was one of the biggies for me. I was really excited when we went to single sign-on. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is a really important um, frontward facing feature that your users will notice. Um, 
This is all about removing barriers in front of them. So with a single sign-on service, kind of a directory service, um, your users use the same username, password, email address to access all of their uh, services. So this can be everything from your student information system to Clever, to, to Google, to accessing the device itself. Um, and there's cloud options like Jump Cloud is really great, or there's more legacy systems like Microsoft, Microsoft Active Directory. Schedule training on how to use devices. This is another important one as we're moving so quickly through getting devices out. Um, we still need to understand how to use those devices uh, to maximize the use. Honor. Yeah, it's, it's really important that you get the word out on how to set up the devices, how to use them, where they go for help. Um, what we do is when we deploy our devices, we have a paper instructions and email instructions that go with them. And for those of you who are deploying um, devices without having them uh, come on campus, the paper instructions probably will be one of your biggies as well as uh, working with your local neighborhood, neighbor, local uh, news stations to also um, provide that information through the evening news. And then uh, KPBS is another place where you can go to help to get assistance with um, deploying the information to your community and how to use your devices. All right, setting up training on care for uh, care for the devices and digital citizenship. Connor? So prior to deployment, it's really recommended that you ensure all students and parents and guardians have signed a device loan agreement, digital use policy, and or included that in the student handbook. You wanna make sure they're very clear about the loan term, what's allowed, not allowed with the device, um, who's responsible for recovery costs, if the screen breaks, if there's liquid damage, and you wanna make sure that the parents and the students are both aware of it. Um, in addition, some, some things that we do, we send out a short video for students about digital citizenship and device basics. And we use a short quiz to ensure that all students have completed the training. So they're aware of the basics. They know what happens when it's damaged. They know to go to for help. Um, and then during deployment, like we said on the last slide, include a one page paper instructional guide with username, password, basics, how and where to reach out for help. Um, and then also extremely important, record the devices and assets that students receive. You wanna know which student receives which assets because when that student transfers out or when they graduate or when they move schools or end of the school year and you need to collect that device, you need to know who has what so you can reconcile. Thank you. All right, select an LMS. So at E3, we use the Google uh, Classroom as our learning management system, but there are others, Canvas, Blackboard, et cetera. The important thing though is to have everyone on the same learning management system. We've heard about places where some Teachers use one learning management system and others use another. That's really confusing for students and also for parents who are trying to manage um, supporting their kiddos from home. So pick one and stick to it. Decide what goes into the learning management system. So at E3, we put the daily lessons, daily agendas, the daily assignments, and the homework. All of that goes into our learning management systems. Uh, 
Um, the links to assessments are also on the LMS, unless those assessments are part of um, a um, curriculum, an online curriculum such as Edgenuity, in which case it's embedded in Edgenuity. And then think about what uh, portals you will want to include in your learning management system. And when I, what I mean by portals are things like um, IXL Achieve 3000, and so access to those online web services through your um, LMS system. And then keep the, the system, the information simple. So make sure that from studio to studio, teacher to teacher, that you have the same type of graphic or format so that again, as kiddos and parents go from one class to another, the learning management system looks the same, okay? All right. Decide what goes on your web-based programs. So as we think about going virtual, you're gonna to wanna to know what online curriculum you're gonna use and what online support curriculum you're gonna use. So here we are gonna talk about the support curriculum. Uh, things to consider, does that online web-based support program like IXL or Achieve 3000, does it have a diagnostic um, assessment component built in? Is it able to personalize the instruction? So is it adaptable? Does it provide data, data for you? Does it provide formative data? So as you look at the information that comes out day to day or um, even within a synchronous class, can you use that information to guide your, your instruction? Uh, we talked about it being adaptable and then are there tutorials? Uh, other things to consider, is it fun? Does it provide real-time and spunky feedback? If you're gonna keep kids engaged, they need to have real-time feedback. Is it easy for teachers and students to learn to use? Because we're, uh, we're uh, ratcheting it up very quickly, teachers need to be able to use these uh, support materials rather quickly and with ease. Does it come with easy to learn tutorials? And what type of teacher training or web-based support is necessary? Examples of web-based programs, IXL for math and for English, Achieve 3000, Newzella is another one similar to Achieve 3000, No Red Ink, Mastery Physics, Common Lit, uh, Khan Academy, Khan Academy for Kids, Turnitin.com, Mastery Chemistry. These are just a few of them. Decide on the online curriculum. And so for our um, AP courses, we use the Pearson um, materials, resources, Pearson online AP courses. Um, we use Edgenuity for math, English, and history, science, and languages. Uh, in some cases, we use Edgenuity for that. And Edgenuity offers over 180 courses that you can select from. Edgenuity does cost money though. UC Scout, if you're in high school, UC Scout is free. And the UC system has come up with roughly 90 courses, A through G courses that are ready to use and that you can also um, use with your kiddos without much training. We have another series that discusses how to set up UC Scouts for your kiddos. Uh, Coursera has hundreds of free courses. It's a, a MOOC platform. 
And so at this time, during the COVID-19 crisis, that is, Coursera is offering free online courses that you might also want to consider for your high schoolers. The benefits of online instruction, standardized core curriculum with built-in scope and sequence. When you go virtual, you want to have as many things standardized as possible. So a virtual curriculum platform like UC Scouts or Edgenuity is standardized and the scope and sequence from one course to the next is also standardized. Uh, online curriculum can be core and then you can customize it. So with both UC Scouts and Edgenuity, you get the core curriculum and then you can customize both to really fit your needs. But you have that underlying uh, standardized component. Uh, you use with direct instruction, you, you should use your online uh, curriculum with direct instruction. It should never be a standalone. Uh, and so we are synchronous. Our online platform, our virtual instruction is synchronous. So kiddos come to us every day. And during that synchronous time, we have direct instruction or we have opportunities for project-based learning, problem-based learning, uh, Socratic discussions, things like that. And then also with the online instruction, use it to provide more time and opportunities for small group and one-on-one -on -one instruction. By that, we mean depending on your uh, online connect communication platform, we use Zoom, you might use Google Meets, um, others might use uh, Microsoft Teams, but whatever your online platform, you wanna look for something that has opportunities for kids to work uh, in small groups with breakout rooms like Zoom has, uh, or one-on-one -on -one instruction, still in that synchronous environment. We have another education series that um, speaks about using the uh, Zoom as a platform for instruction, synchronous instruction. So we're looking for built-in assessments, guided notes, videos that can be re-watched, uh, hopefully that also come in Spanish or provide some type of support for our English language learners. And again, note that this is not to be used as a standalone except for when kids are, want to accelerate. Connor, did I miss anything there? Any questions you can think of? No, that was really good. One thing that I really like uh, that you mentioned with Edgenuity is there's closed captions for the videos. So um, for some of our scholars, some of our students who are English learners, um, they can watch the video with captions. They can, they can rewind, read the captions. So it kind of helps them to still engage in the content, even though they may be an English learner. Thank you. All right, develop a deployment and training schedule. So with uh, COVID-19, everyone is quickly trying to figure out what to do, what to, how, how to do this. So develop a deployment and training schedule. By the time you have watched this, most of you will have deployed your computers. But as we go into next year, we understand that we will still be online uh, at least part of the time, that the, the rollout to going back to what we considered normal in the past is going to take some time, uh, perhaps not in the fall and even not in the spring of 2021. So you wanna make sure that there is support for your programs. And that means with the deployment of the programs, uh, we need support for those programs so that your teachers can get the training that they need. Uh, that there is 
training for the online curriculum. You need support personnel to support what is being deployed, to model how to use that, to help teachers set it up, to co-teach with your um, teachers. So you're, you're probably gonna need, in addition to a few uh, folks that will support Connor, your techies, you're gonna also need Tulsa's perhaps to work side by side with your teachers to get them going. You wanna ensure that they're successful. And because we're gonna be in this for quite some time, you're gonna have to have someone working side by side with them if necessary, and certainly having check-in times. We recommend daily, we'll talk about that again, but to model what this looks like. So do not deploy uh, all online curriculum at the same time. That's a recipe for disaster and um, a fire hose that we will not be able to swallow at one time. So set up teacher teams and discuss web-based or live streaming trainings together. So benefits of synchronous and uh, asynchronous and both. Benefits of synchronous instruction, it's helpful for the emotional and mental health of our scholars, our students. Uh, it builds in routines and then you are connected to your students, they are connected to each other. Benefits of asynchronous instruction, working at your own pace, and then benefits of both. And we suggest that you use both. Um, we use both synchronous and asynchronous instruction, and that allows us to connect with our kiddos and give them time on their own to do some of the assignments, even to work with each other to complete those assignments. A setup schedule for synchronous instruction. So we have one at E3, and we're gonna share uh, a few others that you might want to use. Example of an early schedule, um, as teachers come up to speed, this is before, or as we're getting ready to remain online, uh, three hours of instruction, 1.5 hours of training, and 1.5 hours of planning, testing, collaborating. That's uh, one example of a schedule. Another example of a schedule, once you're ready to go and you've got that synchronous instruction down um, or you've got your, your plan for deploying instruction in the virtual world through distance learning down, then this might be a schedule that you use on a regular basis. Uh, morning instruction, two hours. This is for elementary school, nine to 11. Then lunch, you notice that lunch is quite long, 1.5 hours. That gives kids a chance to get outside, take a nap, um, walk to the food distribution centers, get some exercise. It also gives your staff a chance to check in, grade level check-ins. Very important that these happen every day because teachers are not seeing each other except for through the purposeful check-ins that are built in. And then kiddos come back in the afternoon from 12.30 to 2.30 for two hours of instruction. And that of course is broken up with um, opportunities to do some exercise through those two hours, small group instruction, through your breakout rooms so kids are not just getting information from you. As a matter of fact, it should be less from you and more from them during this time together. Okay, making sure families are connected. So attendance is the entry point to family connectedness. 
Um, and so you've got to have a way to ensure that kids are attending your synchronous instruction. And that's another reason why synchronous instruction is so important because you, it gives you an opportunity to take attendance. And then from that attendance, if kids are not um, connecting, then we want to know why. And that's when we deploy individuals to contact the families to find out if it's a connectivity issue um, or some other issue that they might have. And then at E3, we walk the families through the process from no connectivity to complete connectivity. Connor, you want to add a little bit more to that? Yeah, like you said, Dr. Ward, attendance is extremely important. So we look through patterns for our attendance. Is a, is a student not logging in in the mornings, but they join in the afternoon? Are they not logging at all? Um, are they logging in and leaving and logging in and leaving? So we look for patterns in our attendance um, to be able to help our scholars. Do they, have, do they have a device issue that we need to repair? Do we need to swap out their device? Is it a connectivity issue? Is it a, is it a home issue? So, you know, so we use that information to figure out what's going on. Right, thank you. All right, making sure your website supports your community. So on our website, we have a section just for COVID-19. Now, during this time, we understand that many families are uh, undergoing some very stressful and unusual situations. Uh, parents are losing jobs, older siblings who work and help support the family, they may be losing jobs. Uh, families may be experiencing um, food issues. And so there needs to be a place on your website that speaks to the, um, the primary needs of your community. So on our website, we have financial support. Where can you go for financial support? Frequently asked questions about our whole online platform, the virtual world, the distance learning. What does that look like? How does it happen? What are, what's happening with grades? Uh, what's happening with graduation? All of that on our FAQs. Uh, from our E3 family, we have our weekly news, helpful resources that families can use if you've got younger siblings. Uh, we're a high school, but we also provide um, resources for younger siblings for virtual instruction. Uh, latest news, latest news at E3, mental health resources. And so in this time, we might find that families are exper experiencing some emotional or mental health challenges. So it's really important to have resources for that as well. Scholar meals, upcoming events, and our weekly updates. All of this is on our COVID-19 page to ensure that our families get the support that they need. Connor, anything to add there? No, just, just what you said, communication is key. And we also um, use mass notification tools like Blackboard to send out emails to our parents, to our students, to our community members who've signed up. Um, and we link them back to our website, to the COVID-19 page. Um, a clear line of communication is extremely important, especially when you can't see the students physically every day. So you have to still communicate with them so they know you're there. All right, weekly communication through social media. Connor, can you hear them in the background? I might have to slice it here. The kids talking? No, very briefly, but I oh, think we'll okay. probably cut that that middle part anyways. We can just we can just do a cut in between okay. when we couldn't find the presentation. Good, perfect. Okay, weekly communication through social media. Kiddos, families love this, high schoolers love this. So keep that social media 
communication up and running. Let's get social. More pictures of our families. So that's it for us. You can contact us here. Uh, you have my email address. You have Connor's email address. And you have our phone number. Contact us with any questions. We are here to support. Thank you for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you.